Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today is Thursday. It's February 11th. Welcome to the Basement Academy. Uh, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day and pray that these will be uh, minutes well spent uh, as you not only listen or watch, but that you uh, would engage uh, with heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so our morning psalm uh, is another one of the pilgrim psalms, uh, Psalm 131, just three short verses, but it's an important psalm, one that keeps us attentive and, and humble and uh, in a trusting place. And so this one you could even memorize. It's, it's short enough to memorize the whole psalm. So let me encourage you uh, in that direction. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Amen. It's really simple. <laughs> my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. What an interesting image. You know, when people are, are look down, so you, we talk about looking down, on others, kind of that haughty look. You know, it's kind of maybe contempt or condescension. You know, God made us such that our faces would convey um, what our hearts are feeling, you know, our, our, our facial gestures and um, the nonverbal communication, as we call it. So my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. And then it's just, I don't, I'm not going to worry about things too great, too wonderful, these great matters. I'm going to sit in that place of trust like a weaned child on his mother's lap or mother's arms, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And so we take our refuge in the Lord and pray whatever you're facing and whatever you're going through that you would uh, find yourself in that, that, that place of rest and that posture of trust, uh, uh, trusting in the Lord uh, himself. So Psalm 131. Okay, let's continue on with answering some questions that uh, have been sent in. Uh, thanks to all who have submitted questions so far. We've taken on six or seven for the last couple days and uh, do a couple more today and tomorrow. Uh, looks like we'll definitely fill next week. Uh, and so welcome your, your continued sending in of those questions. Uh, so this first question has to do actually with one of one of our psalms that we read um, a few days ago. It is from Psalm 97. The, the question is this. Uh, in Psalm 97 verse 9, there's a reference to gods. Is this God telling us in his inspired word that there are other gods? How is this understood by those who study scripture and the history surrounding the Bible? Who are these other gods? And are these gods the people and things we humans place before God? So, and in the question as it's submitted, it has quotations and small g as, as here on the whiteboard. It's a great question. Let me read just that 
a couple verses from Psalm 97 so we hear it. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols worship him, all you gods. And that's with a small g. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. And again, that's lowercase g, small gods. And so that was the, the, the passage in question. And so, <clears throat> are there other gods? Uh, nice answer I'm going to give you, yes and no. <laughs> um, yes, there are other gods in the sense that there are idols that humans fabricate or manufacture, be it statues, totem poles, or other man-made objects or systems. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But man-made entities to which we give devotion and tribute in a manner that is deserving only of the one true God. Uh, we know the prohibition in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, make no graven image in the likeness of, of anything on earth. And, the, and then it goes through kind of the created order. Jesus spoke about you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the one, hate the other, or love the other and hate the one. And so uh, you can't serve God and money. And so as it were, kind of lifting up money into that status, almost on an equal footing with God. Um, so yes, there are other gods. Um, some of the gods of the surrounding community, Chemosh, Baal, Molech, uh, Asherah, Ashtaroth, um, sun and moon gods, fertility gods, gods of the harvest, um, the surrounding nations around Israel, they believed that these um, objects, these statues, these gods, as it were, had power to grant to open the womb or to grant a good harvest or to make the rain fall uh, and the like. And so, so there's probably that in view. So are there other gods? Yes. Are they true gods like God? No. The Apostle Paul um uh, we, we read this both in the uh, book of Acts where there's uh, the Apostle Paul is preaching and a riot breaks out because he's basically telling the people in Ephesus there to turn aside from their their devotion to Artemis and the silversmith, the, the, the smithy guild, uh, was being run out of business because as you turn from that which is no God to uh, the true God, there's no reason to go buy those statues anymore uh, to the goddess Artemis. And so there was kind of an economic reality uh, that, that faith was, was bringing about. Um, and, and similarly, uh, Paul advises with respect to eating meat that has been sacrificed to idols since these really are not, there is no other God there. There's not, it's, it's a nothingness. So you could go ahead, if you understand that there is one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And, and so what was happening is people were 
we're realizing, oh, well, I can just go eat that meat anyway because pff, there is no, that is no God. I, I worship the one true God. But Paul advised for people who were weaker in their faith and didn't understand that, that the idol is just a, it's a fabrication. It, there, there's nothing there. It, it's empty. Um, so it's not like you're truly devoting to a God. So, so the answer is yes and no. Yes, there are other gods. There are other things that we humans place our trust in that, that rightly ought to be um, trust placed in God. But, but there are no other gods. There is one true God. But the language of Scripture attributes, it, it's the same word, this, this notion of a God, not that these other idols are real and have power, but that humans, what we do is we erect systems. We, we erect physical structures and then confer upon those physical structures attributes that we wish them to have, okay? And so um, we, we uh, endow, I don't know if that's the right word, or maybe confer upon these man-made objects or systems. Uh, we, we attribute to them beliefs and understandings, frameworks. There's, there's a way of thinking that idolatry engages in that fashions this item to have real power. And then we amend our behavior accordingly. So we create the thing and then we bow before the thing. Um, in, I believe it's in Isaiah, there's a quite humorous passage where it talks about the craftsman goes out, cuts down the tree, um, fashions out of half of that log a statue to which he then bows and, and gives tribute. And the other half of the log, he throws in the fire and warms his hand and cooks his meal. And it's, it's intended to be uh, to show the, the the lunacy of that, how crazy you just made that statue and out of the same material that that statue was made, you just warmed your hands and cooked your meal. There's nothing there. Don't you understand that? But we humans don't, right? <laughs> and so Jesus speaks, he warns us against the power of mammon. That's the, the word actually in the, in the text. We call it money. Money is just a, a, an item of exchange. It's currency. It's paper. I could, you know, pull some out and, you know, tear the piece of paper in half, but, but we invest in that piece of paper meaning and power and, and then when you've got lots of pieces of paper called money, you have status and influence. And so that would be an example. And then chasing those pieces of paper, chasing money, we amend our lives so as to acquire much money. And Jesus is saying, that's the danger. So... um, 
So it's a, it's a, it's, it's kind of a yes and no. Okay. So what's going on in the, in the Psalm is an acknowledgement that God is over all systems, all man-made objects, anything that we would seek to construct or erect or fabricate so as to replace our dependence and need and, and, and honor of, of God, all of that is, is wrong. For you alone art high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all these man-made uh, gods. It's always easier to see um, the idolatry of another people, of another era, of another age. So we can look back and see Baal and and Chemosh and Molech and these other gods of the other nations, and we could say, how silly what were the Israelites to have trusted in them and to have brought them actually into the temple. That, that's partly what stood behind their going into exile. It is easier to see the gods of another age or another um, community. It is much harder to detect the gods of one's own age. Um, a lot of people today have kind of superstitions, okay? And this points in that same direction. Um, you know, in the past, you know, you might have a Lucky's rabbit's foot. You might have a horseshoe. Uh, you might have found a four-leaf clover. These are things that, you know, um, people in our day have thought and maybe still do think bring some good fortune or ward off bad things. Uh, sometimes people, I mean, I, I have these conversations, it'll be a dozen times, 15 times a year, I'll be in conversation with somebody and then they'll say something and then they'll go, knock on wood. Well, that's a superstitious um, expression. You're saying you want something to happen, but... I don't want to jinx myself. Uh, sports is full of this, right? People wear certain things on cert on game days. You know, we just had the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, you don't want to say, oh, boy, he hasn't missed a field goal in, you know, 16 games. And then everybody goes, no, you're going to jinx him. Jinxes, rabbit's foots, knocking on wood. All of those things are gods that need to be forsaken. We it, we think a certain way about that activity, knocking on wood. We think a certain way about that physical object, a rabbit's foot. or um, and, and others may have little medallions, you know, Saint this medallion and Saint that medallion, perhaps mostly out of the Roman Catholic Church. And all of a sudden we endow in that medallion some kind of magical power. I would say those are gods that could be uh, set aside. Uh, Paul writes <clears throat> to the Corinthian church that we need to take, we should take every thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. The gods are nothing. The physical object, the statue, the medallion, the rabbit's foot, uh, the knocking on wood, there is a nothing there, okay? But it's looking to the elements of creation to provide what only the creator can provide protection, strength, blessing, forgiveness, uh, and, and the like. 
And so does that make sense? So it's, it's uh, uh, idolatry is looking to some aspect of the created order and asking to, for it to deliver what only the creator can deliver. Okay. And so that's, that's the essence. And so the key here is to forsake all such thinking and to let every thought be captive. God alone is the protector. God alone is the savior. God alone is the one who grants favor and blessing and causes the sun to shine and rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. And so, and so it's, it's a call to truth. It's a call to, to sound thinking. Um, and so, what are the gods of our own age? You know, beyond the rabbit's foots and the knocking on wood and the lucky horseshoes, probably money. You know, that, that, that is, a, is a god in every age. So there's something of that. Um, probably the White House has, has turned into a, a god. That, 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 that physical structure represents power and influence and imposing our will, what I want to happen. If I can get my team member, you know, the team I vote for, we can take the White House or the Capitol, okay, you know, the, the Senate and House chambers, you know, the, the political influence um, could, could represent that. Uh, I would note that we have a donkey and an elephant as symbols, graven images as it were, but we don't, oh, pff, we're not saying, you know, political parties are idols. I'm just saying there's a donkey and there's an elephant that represent political parties, which represent political influence and power as symbolized in the White House itself. And so I would offer that, that political idolatry, is, we're rife with political idolatry. We just can't see it because it's our own, uh, it's our own um, time. And so we have the blinders on. So um, obviously wealth, uh, money, we've talked about that. Uh, getting into the right college, getting the right resume, the right kind of experiences. You know, we pursue these things thinking that that's what's essential to living a, a good and blessed life. And, and so anytime we place our trust in an, something of the created order that rightly is trust belonging to God, then, then we're probably falling prey to some of this. I don't know if I've answered all of the question, but um, uh, hopefully I've, I've gotten into the neighborhood. <laughs> and so thank you for, for submitting that question. And then the second question, uh, it's really more of a kind of a statement that, that, that teased out into a question. Uh, this has been an interesting season in our lives this past year or so. Amen. <laughs> A unique one to be sure. Love thy neighbor as thyself has been stretched so tight it sometimes snaps. Kind of thinking like a rubber band there. Being in God's word, yet being of this world, how does one keep both in perspective to keep both in perspective when faced with a friend-to-friend -friend situation concerning your choices about current times and their choices. These are often as wide as the Red Sea is apart. So, so it's a kind of a flowing question there, which I, I heard to be, how do we keep good perspective? How do we stay faithful <clears throat> to love God and love neighbor, as it were, when 
we're in conversation with friends, family members, others who choose a different way or a different way of thinking or expressing themselves in light of these current events. So, so how do we keep perspective when people we know and care about choose a different path? That, that's what I hear the, the, the question to be. And so I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great, it's a fantastic question and a great observation about how challenging it is. <clears throat> how to love our neighbor as ourself, how to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. I think the way to, to keep perspective, because I think that's what the question is, how do we keep these things in perspective? So love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So what Jesus is saying is start with yourself. What do you want? How do you love yourself? How do you want people to love you? How do you want people to treat you? Then go do likewise to them. So I want the benefit of the doubt, okay? So when I'm in conversation with somebody, I don't want somebody to impugn my motives when I'm trying to have a thoughtful conversation and, and, and explore uh, some area, some current event or some issue from a particular way, an angle that I'm you know, contemplating. So I want the benefit of the doubt. I don't want my motives impugned. So give the benefit of the doubt and don't impugn people's motives, okay? So I think that's, love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. Listen to the other as you want to be listened to. So um, seek to understand them before you respond. You want to be understood and so give yourself to understanding them. Say, hey, I, I don't fully understand. Could you say that again? I'm, I'm just trying to understand so I can appreciate you know, your perspective. So say things like that because you want people to do that to you. Give the courtesy and, and the kindness and the grace to another. Um, we want our words. We want our life. We want our perspective. We want our choices. We want our decisions to be honored and respected by others. We don't want to be attacked. So don't attack. <laughs> As we want to be honored and respected for our views, so give honor and respect to others. Be kind, be considerate, be thoughtful, because that is what you want. Um, I want folks to be open to what I have to say. I want them to be gentle when I am discovered to be wrong. There are times, you know, we haven't read the full report. We, we might pick up a little bit of fake news. You know, we, we read something off the internet. We take it at face value. And then over time it gets fact checked and we go, oops. That, so in the same way that I would want somebody to admit that they were believing something that was fact-checked to be wrong. I, I want, if I, if that's me, I want them to be gentle with me, <laughs> you know, cause I'm, I'm going to have to eat a little bit of humble pie there. So, so let's not make it hard for people to acknowledge, oops, I, you know, made a mistake there. Let, let's be gentle about that. Don't, don't, you know, be like a bulldog going on the attack. And so be respectful in disagreement because that's what we want. And so let us not be mocking or angry or dismissive because that's not what we would want towards us. So I think the, the love your neighbor as yourself 
is the right perspective. So I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for the, the question is submitted. It, it is love your neighbors yourself. But what our problem is we think about love the neighbor. It's like, start with yourself. What do you want? Extend that uh, to the other. And so <clears throat> this is where our, our morning psalm, I think, comes back in. Do not have a proud heart. Do not have haughty eyes. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not cons concern myself with great matters, things too wonderful for me. And so the way to get along in such divisive, polarized times as we are living in is to live our faith. This is what can distinguish us as Christians. We are not out for blood. We're not chasing the White House, okay? We don't think that, 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 that political power is essential to living the life of faith. Absolutely not. In fact, we reject that idea that Christians can't live faithfully unless they have the political upper hand. We reject that idea. That is idolatry of the first order. We're making our faith dependent upon some other earthly power or experience, and that's the heart of idolatry. We can live our faith anywhere, and we ought to live our faith everywhere. And so it's, it's the, 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 the proud heart, the haughty eyes, it's a forsaking of those things. That's why this psalm is so important for us to have in our praying repertoire. Every month we come to day 11 and we go, Lord, keep me from the proud heart and the haughty eyes, particularly in the, the disagreements I have with family members and friends. Um, it's a way of acknowledging um, I do not concern myself with great matters. Lord, there are things beyond me that I just don't get. God, you're doing something in our world, in our society, in our nation, in this time that I don't understand. And so I'm going to be like the child sitting in your lap. I'm going to trust that you've got things taken care of. That's the, wean, that's the picture of the wean child from Psalm 131. The wean child just sitting on the mother's laps, mother's arms. I'm just going to trust that God's big enough to take care of what's going on in America and the world and the pandemic and politics and all that stuff. God's, God's big enough. And so some of why we struggle in relationship and in conversation with others is that we are so confident in our own judgment, in our own opinions, in our own perspectives we're overconfident, overly confident um, that, that we see things the way they truly are. And uh, I think our Genesis 3 narrative about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, again, stands behind this error that we, part of the curse is that we're always thinking we're right. We're always confident in our own judgments. And I, I believe we ought to be more circumspect and more humble and more gracious with respect to the opinions and judgments of others. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably where I'll stop. <clears throat> a, a combination of, of love your neighbor and the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Begin with what you want 
And then Psalm 131 probably keeps us in a, in a, in a gracious and humble place. Let us not concern ourselves with great matters where we find ourselves in disagreement with the choices that a friend or a family member is making that is different than we would choose for ourselves. Let us give the freedom for them to choose and let us seek to stay in conversation and contact with them through gracious communication as we would want to be uh, graciously communicated with. So let me let that be the end of that answer and we'll wrap up now and then we'll pick up uh, again tomorrow with a few more questions on Friday, okay? Let's pray. Lord, guard us from the proud heart and the haughty eyes that would look with condescension and contempt uh, on uh, another friend or family member, another human being who bears your image. God, forgive us. Give us such uh, tender, gracious, humble, believing, trusting hearts that we could be as the child sitting in the parent's lap, trusting that all is well, even when we do not see it as well in the moment. And so, Lord, we pray uh, with gratitude uh, for the triumph of Jesus Christ over the grave, his triumph over all the gods of the nations. And so help us to live more faithfully as his apprentices, even this day. Help us to be the peacemakers, the bridge builders, uh, the truth tellers, and to do so with grace, uh, humility, compassion, and kindness. And so, Father, watch over us as we walk into this new day, making our prayer in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who is the one true God and who is exalted over all the gods of this world, may that God bless you, keep you, show favor to you, bless you and your family now and forevermore. Amen.